We're back. I'm back. Yeah, yeah, we're back. That's right, Jude. <laughs> Is it okay if I do my intro now? Oh, no. It's not okay. Two, one. Oh. No. Not doing that. Oh, we are back. I'm back. Uh, Ethan's back, Quinn's back on the panel. Uh, welcome to Soul Revival Digital, guys, on a Saturday. It's very exciting to have you with us. And uh, I thought we've got something we can promote with you two because yeah. we just released a podcast with both of you and, of course, moi. Um, <laughs> Quinn, you were on the Chip Lunch podcast yeah. that we released on Thursday. How did that go? Uh, yeah, it was good, I think. Um, Is that it? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'll have to get the feedback from the listeners. Oh, yeah, that's probably fair enough. Well, why don't you enlighten everyone that's watching that uh, what actually we talked about, Nathan? Oh, well, we... Oh, what didn't we talk about? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, we got to have a really fun chat with Quinn, which was really cool. This is Quinn. Uh, this is Quinn. Quinn. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of it was just uh, throughout, the, throughout the podcast, we've been talking about um, being, what being a Christian in high school uh, was like and um, beforehand and afterwards. And um, we uh, brought Quinn on and we'd already had a lot of those kind of initial conversations and then said, hey, Quinn, what about you? Like, how did you go through that? And, and unpacking uh, how she grew up as a Christian and uh, what that was like um, and having that conversation was really fun because and really interesting because it actually like it ends up opening heaps of uh, heaps of doors to other topics and mm. uh, things to chat about and so we talked a lot about justice uh, and injustice truth. Um, and we've talked about truth grace. and grace and um, some really really beautiful um, concepts and ideas and uh, all, all from that just one question of mm. how is being a Christian in high school um, and I think that's one of the things that's so awesome about Chip Lunch and what I'm really loving about it is how uh, each of the people that have been on have been able to tell their stories about that and it's all been really different. Um, so yeah, Quid's episode is really, really cool. Um, there's a whole bunch of other episodes too, uh, so check them out. Yes, make sure you check them out. They're on YouTube or uh, on a podcast app, that podcast app that you listen to. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to bring up something and I've forgotten what it was going to be. Anyway... Uh, it was very cool having you on the Chip Lunch podcast. Thank Queen. you. I enjoyed it. I did. Did it was you? Good. Yeah. Oh, excellent. A little bit stressful, but good. Stressful at first. I think you kind of warmed up yeah. halfway through, and then Warm you're like, up. "Oh, this this is all right. I don't, don't, these guys are okay." Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. It was actually really wonderful to have yourself on there as a magnificent example for um, as a mum and leading it by example. And I think the other thing you do is you lead us in many other things, including prayer, which I think you're going to do for us right now. So good we'll segue. let you. Thank you. I'm I'm working on them. They're yeah. not, not too bad, eh? Yeah. Mm. All right. Let's yeah. pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your compassion and love. Thank you that you don't repay us for what our sin deserves, but rather you sent your son Jesus to bear the weight of our sin on the cross. Thank you that through Jesus' death and resurrection, you made a way for us to be in right relationship with you. Thank you that you are always faithful always merciful and always just. Father, we pray for those who are sick or struggling at the moment. May your peace be on them, Lord, and may they feel your loving presence. Please give them patience and your wisdom to get through it. We pray in particular for the Bailey family, that you would be with them at this time of loss uh, as Sandy's father passed away. We pray during this lockdown for our emotional health, Father. 
please help us to continue to pray for one another and to reach out and find effective ways to support each other. Father, we also pray for Ethiopia. May many uh, more people come to know you as their Lord and Saviour in the midst of displacement, illness uh, and conflict. We thank you for the ministries uh, happening there um, and yeah, we just pray that you would uh, go before them, Lord. Father, this week, help us to rely on you more and trust in your word for our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you very much for doing that, Quinn. We are back very soon with a very special guest. Yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I have my banner. Yay, he's cool. Yeah. Just like you. <laughs> no, he's, he's little. <laughs> oh, he's little. You're big. Yeah. Because you're growing up. Yeah. 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 And he's growing little. <laughs> yeah. okay. Hi, Lionel. How are you today? Good, Quinn. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Who's this? Oh, I brought some special guests along today. I love special guests. I thought you might. I bought um, Maeve. Hi, Maeve. (laughs) And I've bought Jude. (laughs) Hi, Jude. (laughs) Jude is very excited to meet you, Lionel. Me too. I'm very excited to meet me. I mean, meet Jude too. I bought you. Sorry? I bought you. What did you bring me? Who's that? Is that Bluey? No, it's Bandit. Bandit. Who's Bandit? Um, guess. Is, is Bandit Bluey's mum? Yeah. No, Bandit's ha. Bluey's dad. You're funny. You silly. <laughs> hey, Bandit's cool like you are, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you want to be like Bandit when you grow up? <laughs> oh. No. Who do you want to be like when you grow up? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> so much laughing. Maeve, what do you want to be when you grow up? A unicorn? <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a princess when you grow up? The queen. The queen. Straight to the top. I love it. None of this middleman business. Um, Hey, Maeve and Jude, what did we have uh, to drink before we came to sit down with Lionel today? A chocolate milkshake. A chocolate milkshake. Chocolate milkshake. Do you like milkshakes, Lionel? I love them. What's your favourite flavour? Chocolate. Banana. Strawberry, all of them. All the flavours. At once. At once. No, Um, maybe. A rainbow flavour. Oh, yummy. I like rainbow (laughs) flavour. Rainbow flavour. And do you get milkshakes at special times, Lionel? Yes, they're a special treat. And, And when do you usually get them? When we go... Shopping for yes. groceries. It's yes. my treat. Yes, so when you've been on maybe your best behaviour? Yeah, uh, yes. Yes, 
Excellent. Well, um... This colour you Oh. I'm green. What colour are you? Home. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, milkshakes are yum. But yes, they are. Can you have milkshakes all the time? Yes, you can. Yes. Um, I'm not sure and about that. Do you like coffee too? No. Do you? Uh, nah. Nah, me neither. Nah, not coffee. You like coffee, Maeve? Oh, no, no, I love coffee. Um, but Your mum's like coffee? My mum loves coffee! <laughs> Excellent. Well, Do you have a gag? Yep. Your gag loves coffee? Yes, Dad loves coffee too! Yeah. <laughs> Is your mum and dad green like you? Yep, we're all green! And um, what does your hips are? Sorry? What does your, your hips are? My hips? Yeah. Green! <laughs> and what colour is your eyes? What colour do you think? Why um, black? Bingo! <laughs> <laughs> These are great questions. Oh, such great questions. But I've got another question for you, Lionel. Okay. And Kobe and, and um, Jude and Maeve. If you um, drink milkshakes all the time, do you think you will grow up big and strong? No. No, you'll grow a sick tummy, though. Oh, I think so. <laughs> what other things might... You're wearing the crossbreed? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, what, what other things might you need to eat to grow big and strong? Vegetables. Vegetables. Yeah! And salad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a bit of meat, maybe. Yeah! Oh, I love sausages! Anika! You love sausages too! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> 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 well, I'm loving having you here, Jude. Yeah! A bit later on, we're going to hear from the Bible. And Where's your house? My house? Yeah. I'm not allowed to say. Mum said don't say it on the... YouTube, Facebook stuff we're doing. <laughs> I get in big trouble. Well, Jude, a bit later on, we're going to hear from the Bible and we're going to hear about how we can grow up spiritually. Oh, that's a tricky word. How do you grow up? How you grow up spiritually. Well, it's Good how, question. It is a good question and hopefully it will be answered in the sermon but we're talking about how we grow up to know and love Jesus. No? Yes. And how you can be grow up strong that way. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. What do you want us to talk about, Jude? You have hair. <laughs> of course I have hair all over me. Look. Yeah. <laughs> we can't just talk about Lionel all the time. You have hair on, on your head. On my head? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's got hair everywhere, all over him. Everywhere. Not on his eyes. Not on my eyes or in my mouth. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all right. Um, so. Way up, Kurt. Well, I'm ready to read the Bible now. Oh. <laughs> um, what does you 
Is you black? Black. Ah. All right. So, Jude, did you hear what Lionel said? What what is he up to? Yeah. What did he say? Read the Bible time. Read the Bible time. (laughs) Excellent. So we're going to read the Bible now. Yay. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. You say bye. You're my best friends. Bye. As Quinn said, we're about to read the Bible, so if you'd like to grab your own Bible, whether it's on your phone or in the paper version, go ahead and we're going to hear from Hebrews chapter 5. Hi, my name is Ian. I'm one of the leaders at the West Rite Gathering, and it's my honour to be reading the Bible for us today. So please grab your Bibles and open it to the book of Hebrews. I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to chapter 6, verse 12, starting at chapter 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you, because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, thanks very much to Ian for doing that reading for us. And I'm once again joined on the panel by Ethan, our youth pastor. Ends up, green Bunnings hat, mm-hmm. very nice, green Hello. jacket, yep. very good. Yep. We're matching. Yep, matching. And there uh, we are <laughs> matching. And uh, by Paul as well. How are you going, Paul? Good, thanks. Sorry I didn't wear the khaki green. No, that's all right. We didn't, we didn't uh, send the text around. So no, no. you're going to preach for us today on Hebrews chapter 5, as Ian read out for us. And um, I, we always like to have a quick chat about what's going to come up 
in this passage. Um, something that you mentioned to me was it's a warning passage, and it's actually quite a few of them are peppered through the full letter of Hebrews. Why was the writer writing those warning passages? Yeah, um, great question. It is a very um, um, classic feature of, of this letter. And I think ultimately it's because the writer of the Hebrews has a real pastor's heart. He's really concerned um, for, for these people. He cares for them deeply. He, call, he refers to them as dear friends. And um, as much as we can sometimes get a little bit shocked by harsh words, um, they come from a, a heart of love and concern um, for these young Christians uh, in a difficult place. And so I think um, that's a, one feature that I, I really like about Hebrews is that, that pastoral edge um, that runs through the, the whole letter. And it's interesting um, talking about uh, speaking in truth and love. Um, Ethan, we're going to bring the Chip Lunch podcast again that we spoke about, and we're mm. actually speaking about that on that podcast with Quinn, was that um, we talked a lot about truth and grace and finding the balance between the two. And we know that um, uh, the perfect example of that and the conclusion we came to on that podcast was that the perfect example of that is God and his son Jesus. And I'm... My assumption would be that's probably what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do in that sense of writing those warning letters but being speaking in a truthful and loving way. Um, I'm sure you're going to enlighten us more, so why don't I let you take it away? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it really is uh, a lot about um, Jesus and being and focused on him and being mature as you approach that. And... Um, as I was preparing this talk, I remember a couple of weeks ago on this panel, um, we were mm. chatting about interesting books that we had been reading. And I came across this classic just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Spot goes to the circus. Um, it really is a surprising High. it really is a surprising read. High um, quality literature. Let me let me let me this one's a good remind one. I've, I've read this one a few times. Yeah, yeah. So um here we are at the circus. Fetch your ball, spot. So just as we're settling down into an enjoyable game of fetch. Um, at the circus, no less, um, we're going to get stunned with a plot twist. Oh, yep. Exciting. It's okay, Mum, I've got it. So we think that Spot has got it and he's running here to get his ball, but then the twist. That's my nose, silly. <laughs> so he's actually thinking it's the ball, but it's actually the, the nose of a clown. <laughs> and so with that <laughs> shocking twist... We're compelled to read on um, this book to find out what happens. Now, I don't want to ruin it for you. So I, this is a something you, you're going to have to um, come and find this book and read it for yourself. <laughs> now, regardless of how great um, that book is, you would be concerned if that was the only type of book that I was reading. I mean, you'd be well within your rights to rebuke me and say, Paul, you know what? Uh, it's time to move on. It's time to move on from spot. And... Um, Get into something serious. <laughs> now, our passage today contains that kind of rebuke. Um, chapter 6, verse 1 is something of the key um, verse of this passage. I've got it here on screen for you. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Begs the question, how much does it matter that we grow up as Christians? Is it okay for us to be content to stay at a Sunday school level of the Christian faith? Is it okay to be satisfied with um, just knowing the basics, the bare basics of the gospel? 
The simple but very serious warning from God to each and every one of us is this. The answer is no. It's absolutely not okay to remain immature. And so the urging of chapter 6, verse 1, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Because failure to grow up in Jesus is to put ourselves in a place of terrifying danger. Well, with that in mind, um, we really do need to pray, don't we? We need to pray that God would help us to grow up in maturity um, as we read his word. So why don't we pray to that end now? Let's pray. A reminder, the word of God is living and active and can discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so, Lord God, we ask that your word would be powerfully at work in our hearts today. Please help us to grow into maturity in our love and service of your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we've been reading the book of Hebrews, it's clear to see that it's all about Jesus. It's about who he is. It's about what he has done. It's about the difference that that needs to make. Jesus is the Son of God. He's made purification for sins once and for all. And now and forever he will be our high priest, seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. But the writer of this letter is concerned that this understanding of Jesus does not just remain cold academic information. He actually is a writer with pastoral concern for his readers. His aim is to move people deeply in heart and mind to commit fully to Jesus. It's the reality of who Jesus is what he's done, well, these things demand an urgent, ongoing and wholehearted response. And not just for those in the first century, but also to us as we read this letter today. You see, as we've just mentioned then, the pastoral urgency is seen in the repeated warnings in this letter. You know, you remember the ones we've looked at so far? At the beginning of chapter 2, we're told to pay close attention to the word of salvation lest we drift away from it. And then in chapters 3 and 4, our attention was drawn to the people of God, those people who had been rescued from Egypt and led to the promised land. But they failed. They failed to enter that land. And it was an example for us. And so we're told, do not harden your hearts like those who are in the wilderness. We're told to take care not to have an evil and unbelieving heart that leads us away from the living God. Well, now today we've come to another warning passage. And indeed, one could say the sharpest and most scary warning in the letter. Well, what prompts such a sharp warning? Well, in the previous verses just before this passage today, the writer starts to unpack what it means for Jesus to be the high priest. And just as he's about to get on a roll about that, he actually stops and says this in verse 14 of chapter 5. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use 
have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In short, the writer thinks that his readers are not ready to hear this deeper teaching about Jesus. And actually, it's not about their intellectual capability. That's okay. It's because, in verse 11 we read it there, they no longer try to understand. They actually become lazy. They just don't want to hear it. They'll content to stay at an infant's level of Christian faith. What they're being told here is it's time to get out of the Sunday school sandpit, to put on the big boy pants, because they had been at the infant's level for too long. And just before we move on, you notice there's a little uh, interesting aside there in verse 12. It says there, by a certain time, all Christians should be able to teach others. That's interesting, isn't it? It's not just the role of an ordained minister. All Christians should want to be able to pass on God's word to others. The mature follower of Jesus doesn't just receive, but they seek to give encouragement by teaching others. Okay, so the problem is laziness, and that's led to a level of immaturity. So how do we address this issue? And we come to chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, if you think about it, at first glance, this passage seems a bit strange because um, moving on from the elementary true truths about Jesus Christ, well, that sounds a bit like what a heretic would do, is does not. I mean... You know, you start with Jesus, but then with time, well, you move on from that to other forms of spirituality. It's actually not a moving on from Jesus. We stay grounded in him, but we should mature and grow in our understanding of him. We're not to be content with only an elementary understanding of Jesus. Now, this will become even more clear once we understand that the elementary teachings that are listed out here are actually all found in the Old Testament. That is, they're actually not distinctively Christian teachings, but basic and foundational teachings found in Judaism. Now, this is what it helps us to think about the original context. Think about the original readers of this letter and the context they were living in. They actually had converted out of Judaism but now they are under serious persecution for their faith. They would have needing, they would have been feeling, you know, really great pressure to go back to their old Jewish ways, so as to not stand out too far. And so, if they just stuck with these very basic elementary doctrines, well, they wouldn't have to make that much of a break from those around them. On the other hand, if they committed to a deep, full understanding of Jesus, well they wouldn't be able to speak vaguely about their faith. They would be able to declare clearly that salvation was found in Jesus the Messiah and in him alone. And there's the rub, isn't it, friends? As you deepen your understanding of Christ, life can become uncomfortable. Knowing and believing the deep truths about Jesus, well, it's got to lead to change. As one makes changes in their life and starts to speak up, well, then they also start to stand out. 
And so I'm sure you can appreciate the temptation. The temptation to lay low and lazily remain vague about your faith. That way we don't offend others around us. And so with that temptation in mind, the writer really turns up the heat. Have a look at chapter 6, verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Hard words. So who does the writer have in mind here? Well, of course, he wants his readers to think that he's talking about them, which he is. But why are these particular descriptions describing a potential believer? Well, again, in chapters 3 and 4, uh, there we learn about the Israelite wilderness generation. And think about them. They had been enlightened, quite literally, by a, a pillar of cloud and fire at certain points. They had tasted the heavenly gift of manna from heaven. Isaiah tells us the Holy Spirit had been with them at that time. And we see how God spoke to them marvelously and regularly, um, especially through Moses. And of course they experienced God's power, his immense power, as he delivered them out of, out of Egypt. That wilderness generation were incredibly blessed and privileged. And yet, we read, they hardened their hearts and fell away. Now Christians today are even more privileged than those Israelites. For we too have been enlightened as we meet Jesus, the light of the world, who came down as a gift from heaven. The Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of all believers. We have the word of God in the Bible. We know of Jesus' powerful works, his incredible miracles and his glorious resurrection from the dead that anticipates the world to come. God has been so kind towards us as well. But just like these Hebrews, we can be quick to forget. It's so easy for us to get bogged down with the hassles, the difficulties, the frustrations of life. Maybe we have a fear of missing out because we're a Christian. We can fear how others might treat us and how they might think about us because we're Christian. And so we become distanced from Jesus. We sort of keep him at arm's length. And the danger is that we might fall away from him altogether. And so as we read on in this passage to verses 7 and 8, we see an echo of the, the parable of the sower, that famous parable that Jesus said, that reminds us how the worries of this life can choke out the word of God. Have a look at verses 7 and 8 here on the screen. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Now, as we look at this passage, we can't help but have to make comment about the elephant in the room. Um, when we look at this passage, if you didn't 
already know it. It's a key text in the debates surrounding the question, can a Christian fall away? Now, we'll come to that in a moment. But firstly, the issue that the author is addressing here is not whether or not we can fall away, but whether or not someone who has fallen away can actually turn back. And the scary question, the answer to that is no. It's impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. There is a point of no return. And it's also important to notice that the, what falling away actually means here. It's not what we might call backsliding as a Christian. For these Jewish Christians, falling away meant reverting to Old Testament religion. To fall away meant turning from the reality found in Jesus to trusting in practices that could only condemn them. It would mean that they're ultimately rejecting the Messiah and thus they would be, as it says there, crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Now the exact details about how they could be doing this well, that's going to be spelt out in later chapters in the letter. There was a real danger, given the direction that they were going, and they needed a stern warning. You know, it's like, it's like telling small children not to play too close to the edge of a cliff, and yet they keep wandering closer and closer. They've not yet gone over the edge, but the danger is there. It's very, very real. And one way is to pick them up and warn them and show them how bad the, the fall is that they're, they're getting close to. Now it's because these Jewish Christians had not yet gone off the cliff that the warning is possible. But once they go beyond the point of no return, it's too late for warnings. Repentance isn't possible as you're plummeting off the edge. Now, we can try to dilute the warning of this passage and say oh well it's it's only hypothetical um there's actually no real danger of them falling away though they're safe in the hands of god well if that's the case then well the warning makes no sense i mean think about it if there was a secure three meter high concrete wall guarding the edge of the cliff a warning isn't necessary now, in the mind of the author, the, there is a real possibility, a real danger of falling away, and that's why the alert needs to be sounded. So we come back to that question, can a Christian fall away? You know, it's, it's the debate that might fire up between those that think Christians can fall away and those that think they can't. You know, uh, it's based on the contrasting verses that we, we read in the Bible, contrast uh, verses that are like very strong warning passages and the passages of assurance of our faith in God. Now actually, when we look at this, this passage very carefully, we find that this passage contains both warning and assurance. Well, how can that be? Well, firstly, one of the problems is that we've made a mistake in how we've posed the question, can a Christian fall away? Now, that's simply a theoretical question, and it could be asked and answered in the abstract. The New Testament asks a far more direct and important question. Will you fall away? It's personal. It's not a topic for academic discussion. And so the answer is, make sure you don't. 
Both the warning and the assurance push us to the same conclusion. Make sure you keep trusting in God. The warnings are there to scare us about the consequences if we don't continue to trust him. And the assurance passages are there to generate our continual faith because they speak of a God who is good and faithful to his promises, who can keep us from falling. Either way, the message is clear and simple. Keep trusting in him. Maintain your hope. Do not give up. And as I mentioned earlier, the writer of the Hebrews really is writing with a pastoral concern, urging his readers to make sure they make it to the end. Have a look at verse 9 here on screen. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown to him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. The writer here cares deeply for his readers. He sounds the warning out of love. And then on a positive note, he's pretty sure they have not yet fallen away. Indeed, he sees much better things for them. In particular, their love of God and their love of his people. Now that's an obvious challenge for us today, isn't it? Especially in these days of COVID restrictions. I mean, are we still practicing and practically expressing our love for our fellow believers? Are we still in meaningful contact with them? Do we know their needs? And so we, are we finding ways to help them while they struggle? It's a real challenge for us today. It seems that the readers um, of Hebrews were working like this, they were living like this, and the writer takes great encouragement from that. And now he says in closing, don't give up. Verse 11. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realised. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Later in the letter, the writer of the Hebrews is going to compare the Christian life to a race. And he's going to urge us to run the race set before us. He's not going to say, oh, just take it easy. Just, just um, pace yourself or, or just plod along. He's urging them to run the race before them. Well, how are we going to do that? How will we keep going? How can we respond to these warnings and challenges that we've heard? And the question it begs is, is it all down to us? Is it what I've got to do? Do I somehow have to try to pull myself up by, by my own bootstraps? Well, far from it, friends. We need to look to the example of those who have gone before us, as it's written there. They had faith and patience in God and in his steadfast promise. So yes, there's a real challenge in today's passage about the response we must make. But even so, the focus of our attention, of our Christian lives, is not to be on our own efforts, but on God and what he has done that we have a sure, certain and lasting hope because it is anchored to the perfect work of Jesus, our high priest. And all that rests on the steadfast promises of God. Amen. Amen.
Thank you very much for that, Paul. Mm. I felt like you enjoyed preparing that sermon. Was that was that the case? Yeah, I was really. It was, it was great doing um, <laughs> spot. Bit of a spot ring. Uh, that was <laughs> so good. Reliving reliving um a, a previous era of life. Is that your favourite spot book? Um, I just found it actually <laughs> on the bookshelf <laughs> in, in the in the crash room. Okay, no, no, that's cool. No, but, but on a serious note, it, it um it was great to sort of really wrestle with that with that issue, mm. um and to be um deeply encouraged again and reminded of 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 our steadfast hope and anchor. Yeah, that's really cool. I I was thinking about how you were saying that it was a warning letter, and it's um it's written with a, a very pastoral heart behind it, um. And he's basically calling on the audience that he's writing to um, to make sure they're ready to hear Jesus. I would just be interested to say, like, we're talking about moving from spiritual milk onwards to um, something more... more Substantial. Substantial, thank you. That was the word I was looking for. How do we make sure we're ready to hear Jesus and keep hearing Jesus as we grow in our faith and not um, not grow stale in our faith? Well, of course, um, it's great to keep allow, allowing him to speak to us. So, of course, um, reading his word, um, uh, coming before that with a, a soft heart, praying that he would, he would indeed open our hearts and, and lay them bare, as, it, as it, the, the word says there in Hebrews. Um, there is this thought of um, moving ahead and, and deepening our understanding of Christ um, of course, along with that comes the, the challenge of it changing us and making us stand out. So one of the temptations that, again, I highlighted in the passage is about the, the struggles that um, the first believer, the, the Hebrew believers were having um, in a world that's very uh, hostile to Jesus. And so I guess that's where, how can we encourage each other to, to, to stand firm when we are getting buffeted by a very clear and concerted um, opposition mm. um, to, to, to our faith. Yeah. Um, and so I guess in that, in that sense, being encouraged, constantly encouraged with our, our, our fellowship is great, which is, again, another challenge at this time mm. with the restrictions. How do we keep gathering together as God's people? Um, uh, it's it's some of, of real urgency, especially at this time, um, because that was, I think, one of the big challenges that was facing people here, to drift, a, to drift in face of those hard pressures, to drift away from that fellowship. So it didn't affect them too much and all that kind of thing. I, I find that interesting because they were obviously under uh, attack in a different way. Um, talking about a soft heart, Ethan, I would suggest that our world in some respects is now is still hostile to Jesus. How, do, how would you suggest that we maintain a soft heart in those times when we do feel like we're under the pressure of that certain hostility? I think, I think that's a really good question, Joel. I think that uh, it's really difficult for a lot of people. Um, last week, uh, Gemma uh, and those of us on the um, thing, Gemma in particular talked about... Cassie. Um, uh, it, was, it, was during the, it was during the talk oh, bit. Sorry. So I think it was, it was, it was Stu, myself and Gemma, I, I think, I if, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, we were chatting about how um, the youth culture is, is meaning that young people are not getting involved in church. Uh, and one of the reasons uh, behind that was that people don't really care about it. 
Um, and that in itself is a, is a really clear hardening against the gospel. Uh, and it's not necessarily a explicit hostility, uh, which it can become. Um, however, it's not necessarily always that. Something, sometimes what we're dealing with is just apathy, uh, which in itself is, a, is the complete example of a hardened heart, right? Like mm. it's just this, I'm not even going to care um, because it's got nothing to do with me. And I think that is something that, um, that we're going to be having to, to work through as a challenge. Um, and I think that something that we can do is, is care about it more. <laughs> like go, like, like Paul, like you were saying, Paul, like go mature in our understanding of Jesus. And as we do that, uh, what's really exciting about these amazing messages is that we love him more every time we get a little bit more, like every time we learn, every time I learn a little bit more, I get way more excited mm. about how cool um, Jesus is and what he's done. It's like um, a, like avoiding that laziness is what yeah. you were talking about, Paul. I thought that um, if we, we talk about Christians continually trying to uh, deepen their faith and knowledge of God, um, you also said there that Christians should be able to teach others. I thought mm. that was really cool. Mm. If we're thinking about that and people continue to try and work hard on their faith, um, and I've, I have noticed sometimes observed even Christians get caught up in side issues and that aren't actually related to the gospel, um, or maybe perhaps an issue that the Bible isn't clear on what it addresses. How would how would we approach that situation, and how do we kind of avoid taking the centre of attention off Jesus? Yeah, I was, I was reflecting on that a little bit when it talks about the expectation that we teach others, and I can imagine sometimes when I think, well, sometimes we're a little bit too keen to teach <laughs> others and um, mm. um, there's teaching with maturity and sensitivity and there's um, being a little bit argy-bargy about it too and, and perhaps maybe unhelpful mm. um, and so it's teaching again also with maturity thinking you know, what, what is the focus of the scripture, how, how does this move us closer to God and his purposes for our lives rather than distracting us and maybe sending us down the, um, a dead-end path. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Do you think pride could be involved in that too? Yeah, I mean, of course, we've always got to... I mean, I, it, always examine. Um, yep. I mean, it's one of the s scary warnings that in another part of God's Word about teachers being judged more mm. um, s um, seriously mm. because of their role... Um, so yeah, it's always got to be a constant reflection upon what what am I wanting to say to somebody else, um, and is it going to be helpful and loving, and and grow grow us both towards maturity. Um, I'm not just reinforcing my own prejudices and and distracting somebody else. And so yeah, um, we we do need to ex examine that and come and I just think come honestly before God. So again, our, our focus is on Him, and and trusting that His Word and his will will go deep into our hearts. Mm. Um, the Spirit is in us; um, it is transforming us and changing us, and and um, reflecting on that ourselves personally, but also, of course, sharing that that reflection with with our brothers and sisters as well. 
And in chapter four, at the end of chapter four, it talks about uh, the word of God being a double-edged sword and yeah. actually convicting us in those kind of situations. So mm. uh, just backing up what you're saying there, I think, is mm. really important. Mm-hmm. Um, Eth, uh, you and I have shared recently that oh, well, I, a couple of months ago, finished reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Yes. And I know that you and some of the boys were doing a book club around that and discussing that. Um, and I know that in that, uh, C.S. Lewis says that we are almost demanded to be intellectual and to think about our faith and question it and think deeply about what we're doing there. Um, and life, and another thing I picked up from you, Paul, was that life can be uncomfortable knowing the deep truths of Jesus. Um, do you feel pressure to need to be intellectual and insightful and thoughtful about your faith? Massively. Um, <laughs> Especially as a pastor. Yeah, well, that's it, right? I, as soon as... And I think I... Think I going through high school, uh, for example, was uh, constantly uh, coming up against or coming up with um, people giving me intellectual questions. The only Christian in the village. Yeah, that's, that was me. And, <laughs> and, because, of, and because of that, um, it meant that a lot of my answers became, oh, I have the, here's, here's this great intellectual answer to, to, to win this debate or whatever. Um, and what I've learned since then is in that context, it's it's not even necessarily about being an intellectual. Instead, it's about, um, yes, knowing your stuff, um, but knowing why they're asking those questions. And then when it comes to my own personal faith, it's meant that um, when I've been trying to dig deeper in the word uh, and do things like, re- like C.S. Lewis is amazing. I've been, uh, we just finished another uh, book club, uh, reading another one of his books, uh, and that was excellent. Which one? Uh, it w- the Great Divorce, um, would recommend. It's phenomenal. Um, it's, yeah, I think it might be one of my favourites uh, of his. Put the picture up. Please. Yeah, yeah, it'll be here. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's a really, really good book. And again, that one is just a, um, a beautiful look at uh, humanity and what we're like. And, and, and having stuff like that is really, really good. Um, but doing that alongside um, going deeper in the word. Uh, one of the, something I think uh, we've talked about before is that I've downloaded this thing called the Faith Life uh, Study Bible app. Um, that's been really helpful uh, for that growing deeper. And um, it's fun because you do get some cool intellectual stuff in it. Uh, and it's fun because it's free. But, um, <laughs> uh, and it's just great to be like, we were on at Bible study on Tuesday, talk, ch- chatting about um, uh, Mel- Melchizedek. And I was scrolling through that and I was like, oh, cool. Here's like this, all this information about him that I wasn't. And then I was able to teach mm. and not teach out of, and not out of my, <laughs> not out of my pride, I hope. Um, but instead out of, oh, cool, I found this information and let's grow together mm-hmm. uh, to maturity um, because we've got, and there's so, there's so many resources for us. Um, but I think alongside all those resources, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us knowledge about our faith. Mm-hmm. And um, the more we read our Bible and the more we chat together about, so one of the really good things about doing a book club we're, uh, is really good because we actually end up just like, we talk, for a little, we talk about the book, and then we end up just spending ages chatting about how we're going and how what our faith like. We had this huge chat a little while ago about intellectuality and about whether we we because uh, like some of us are going to Bible college, some of us are like have been to Bible college, some of us are, anyway. We're in this in this kind of spot, and we're like, well, what does this mean? And so we were able to talk about it together, uh, and that stuff's really good as well. I think. Yeah, I love the point about. 
personal faith, which are uh, hitting the big issue of this passage that you were talking about, Paul. Um, the key to not falling away is personal faith. I think that's what you, you mentioned before, rather than a can they fall away or can they not fall away. It's more about what is your, uh, how is your personal faith going. Um, but I also want to point out uh, that's quite a scary passage to read sometimes. Um, what kind of reassurance can you give to people that read that uh, passage? Because I know you mentioned um, it's a it's an exercise in understanding what your conscience is saying. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, continuing the pastoral approach to to, to this. Um, uh, those of us with a sensitive conscience, um, it, ca- it can it can cut deeply, and be of concern, and to think, of, oh dear, maybe I am falling away. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you, you see the passages, is quite clear and saying there comes a point where you've passed the point of no return. Um, if you if you are concerned about it, well, actually, that's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. That means you're the, you're you're the type of reader. That the writer is wanting to get to have people that have got the ears alive and sensitive to the, to hear the warning um, and do something about it. Um, the yeah. It's, so if you've got a if you if you're concerned about thinking you're falling away, then actually you're actually in a healthy position. Yeah. You, it's it's a healthy thing to have. Yeah. Um, and uh, to have an urgency and take take faith in God seriously. If this is a indifference and doesn't really matter, means nothing. As you were talking earlier about that whole indifference, apathy. apathy, apathy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, that's very concerning mm. um, because um, that's saying, well, you're plummeting off the edge, and um, they won't come back. Mm. Um, just as uh, in this context, if if they had decided, you know what. We're going to go back to Judaism. Mm. We're leaving the Messiah behind. Uh, you, you, your only source, yeah, the, ex, the the only exit route to life, to bread, to new life. You've you've actually shut the door. Mm. And you're walking away. Um, you you um, can't like that. Like this is put, putting Jesus back up on the cross again, and it's over. And so, um, yeah. To want to encourage those of us that might have a sensitive conscience, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, um, you, it means that you haven't fallen off the edge and f- and fallen away. Yeah, but it also makes you aware of where that edge is and where you yeah. should be yeah. uh, moving away from the edge, like you said, with uh, for Charles too close yeah. to the edge of a cliff. And 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 also, some lift your eyes up a little bit. I think sometimes when we get a little bit concerned and scared, we get a little bit too inwardly looking lift your eyes up focus on the again the author and perfecter of our faith as it says in hebrews jesus that our perfect high priest and hold on to him it's his work that we rely upon not my own so yep i fail all the time i'm sure we all fail a lot of the time and then i can read a passage like this and think oh dear um i've I've fallen away and it's um the, the, the challenge here, the encouragement here in this passage is to, to, to lift our eyes from ourselves and look towards Jesus, our perfect high priest, and rest in him and upon those great promises of God, which he has shown over millennia 
that he is faithful and able to keep. And so rest in that and hopefully strengthen our, our sensitive heart. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Paul. Some really wise and encouraging words. So I really appreciate what you've done for us today. A great pleasure, yeah. Um, and uh, thank you very much for everyone uh, listening to the sermon. I hope you've got great encouragement for that. Um, pray that you guys are really understanding what God's teaching you through the Bible. Make sure it keeps convicting you, as it says at the end of chapter 4, and pierces even down to the marrow and even more. So we really um, encourage you to do that. Make sure you keep those uh, big spot ears trained and alive listening to what God has to say to you as well. And we'll be right back.
Back again, back on the panel. How are you guys? Good. Feeling good. good. Yeah, you're going good. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Uh, I noticed that you wore a denim jacket. It was made a bit of a point about wearing denim jackets lately, there, Quinn. I did, but I've noticed that I've missed out on the uniform <laughs> today again. I realised while we were talking earlier um, that was that was mentioned that we were both wearing green. Um, I'm also wearing green socks, so like I've, I've gone. You've gone quiet. all out. I've gone quiet. Whoa. Oh. Ma- and many different shades of green too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta, I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, hey, Joel. Yes. Did you get a haircut? Oh, thank you for asking. I sure <laughs> did. Let me. T- <laughs> so natural. Let me tell so you who did it. My uh, lovely wife Karen did it. Oh. And I think she did an outstanding job for the first she time really did. she'd ever mm. done a style cut. And I think the only time she's ever done any other style cuts is when she's given her brothers, her younger brothers, a bowl cut. So. <laughs> Well, it's like, definitely not a bowl cut. She's done a great no, job. Yeah. Well, we got, we've got the YouTube video up. And like, oh. I want the fade. I want the Peaky Blinders style haircut. And yeah. like, we, got, we got close. I think she'd she done an outstanding job. That's amazing. Yep, I that love a bit of COVID cuts. Mm-hmm. I've also cut Kobe and um, Ross's hair. Oh, yes. How did you go? Oh, uh, yeah. It went all right. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. As good as Karen, but... I don't think so. I don't think I did as good a job as her. <laughs> Probably you weren't forced to do a style like I forced her to do a style. So. <laughs> well... Kobe's hair was already cut into a style, so I really just had to shave all mm, around it. Yes. Um, work, 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 working to a pattern. Because yeah. he's got yeah. the full-on massive fringe. It's is he going to allow it's you to touch that? in the 90s. Um, oh, I'd really like to cut it off. I'm ready for a change, but he's not quite there yet. Mm. Okay. Yep. Uh, Karen was actually offering to cut Leo, my son's hair, mm. and he was like, I don't need a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think you might soon, mate. You might need a haircut. But anyway, COVID cuts. You thinking mm, about yeah, COVID my, cutting your hair? I, I'm not going to COVID cut my hair. I'm just going to continue wearing a hat <laughs> until until we get out and I can find a professional. Yes, right. Have you been to Bunnings recently? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. Don't but but all, always repping the merch. That's what's important. <laughs> repping the merch. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. on. Straight to Bunnings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check out that video, guys. It's pretty funny. Oh, we are lining up for the latest nightclub. It's called Bunnings. Bunnings. Yeah, anyway, check that out. <laughs> That'll do it for this service, guys. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> thank you. That's the, that's the side references to yeah. things. It was great. That's all right. Well, we're, we're in the age of the internet, I'm guys. not putting a link up. Google it. I'm not, I'm yeah. not doing it. I'll make you. I refuse. <laughs> Uh, thanks for joining us everyone uh, we really appreciate it um, you can always check out all the other content we're putting out on YouTube or on your podcast app uh, Chip Lunch as Quinn and Ethan were on this week uh, we've got the Shock Absorber that's coming out uh, coming out today this morning it came out oh, cool. and we've also got plenty of other things to listen to check it out and we've got plenty more coming but thank you very much we appreciate it and ready to finish up with uh, does everyone know what it is One Way One Way